Good morning, Garden City. Good morning. There we go. Love you guys today. Glad to see you. Hope everything's going well. It's a beautiful day outside. Beautiful. We thank God for the sunshine and for the rain because we need the rain. Amen. There we go. Announcement. Thanksgiving baskets are back. I'm saying it like that because there's an exclamation mark, so you got to, okay, they're back. So if you know, if you or someone you know is in need of a Thanksgiving basket, we'd like to provide you with one. Please sign up at the back table where Stacy is. Stacy, she's waving her hand. If you or someone that you know may need a Thanksgiving basket, please let's get them one. Also, men's worship and testimony night is going to be November the 14th at 6 o'clock at Porchlight Coffee Men and Testimony Night. Okay. All right. Yeah, the, the, the message today is very fitting for us this morning. All right. So men and testimony night will be November the 14th, 6 p.m. at Porch Light Coffee. Because why? Men love to be vulnerable and give testimony. Love it. It's an absolutely great thing. Amen. So this morning, we're just going to talk. Brian, Pastor Brian, I, I get to do this with my friend, with my brother Brian. We get to co-labor together here at Garden City. And he really teed me up last week and didn't even know it. Because he began to talk about, man, something that really excites me. And that's being very, very uncomfortable. And something that I've gotten used to. So I just completed year 10 of being a head football coach. Just completed it. Thanks. Y'all seem very happy for me. I appreciate it. And let me tell you, year 10 was the best year being a head coach I've ever had. The best. Now, when I say that, the thing that's going to come to your mind is, oh, man, coach, you must have won a lot of games. No, we didn't. We actually were 2-8 and this year. So here's the thing. We came into the year winning, and we left out with a win. So we booked in the year. Now, what happened in the middle, we'll let God deal with that. Amen. But the reason why I say it's the best year because of what I discovered, not just about my team, but what God allowed me to discover about myself. And I think this is exactly where he's wanting us to discover here at Garden City. And again, Pastor Brian, he touched on this just a little bit last week. We're going to go a little bit deeper into it today. Back in August, right before we went to camp, I addressed our whole football team, coaches included. Because I felt like God had given me a word to give for us throughout the course of this year. Now, back in the spring, the word that we had got was resiliency. So much so that my young men, they understand what that word means. if if, If they were in here, I would say, hey, tell me what resiliency means. They say, hey, our capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. That's what the word resiliency means. And so 
God had gave me Mark 8 and 35, which reads, For whoever would save his or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his or her life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. And I was like, yes. Because, see, as a head coach, just like a pastor, you want to have something to give to your people. That they can run on and they can eat on for the remainder of the season, the remainder of the week, or the remainder of the year. And so the question that I posed to my team was this. I said, hey, we all want to win, right? Two, three feet go up. But I said, what if I told you in order for us to win, we have to be willing to lose? Crickets. They all kind of look like, what? And I said, well, here's what I mean by that. I said, we all want to win. But if we're not willing to individually lose first, we can't collectively win anything. Because sometimes on a sports team... You have people that want what they want the way that they want it and the way that they think that it should be, but not the way that it needs to be. So I might have a player that says, hey, why am I getting the ball more? Because I want to run the ball more. I want to pass the ball. I want to catch the ball. Why don't I start? I want to play this position. Well, when you only got about 40 kids, you really lose (laughs) you lose your opportunity to say, I want to play the position I want to play. And I tell them, I said, well, you can play the position that you want to play. You can play the position that we need you to play and actually play. I don't think everybody got that. Right? I said, you can play the position that you want to play. So if I got somebody who's 6'8", 300 pounds and says, hey, coach, I believe I'm the next Tom Brady. And I said, no, I think you're going to make a really great left tackle. Now, I can can leave you at quarterback, but you're not going to play quarterback. But I can put you over here and you're going to have an opportunity to give us, man, everything and help us to be a more successful football team. And so this passage of scripture helped me throughout the course of the year, right? And especially when you're saying this in August, before there's any games, before you've won or lost, this is really great. Because everybody bought in. And it's always amazing how God works when he gives us a word. Because as Pastor Brian said, I believe a week ago, we can always see the beginning and we have hope for the end, but we never know what happens in the middle. What was our record this year for all you that was listening and paying attention? Two and eight. The games that we won were what? The first and the last. I knew we was going to win the first game, right? Because we're going in, we're excited. Man, everybody's pumped. Everybody's into it. And I'm like, okay, I know we're going to win the last game. But here's the thing, what if God would have told me what was going to happen in between when he gave me that word? I probably wouldn't have gave my team that word. 
And I probably wouldn't want to hear that word. Because the standard and the measurement by a worldly sense is, is that, man, you have to win in order to be a successful coach. You have to. Because if you're not winning, then you're losing. And I've lost a lot. I've lost a lot. But what God has taught me through this is something that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. And I believe he's trying to teach us. So as we continue to find our place in the story of God, what we get to learn is, is that, yes, we are made in his image and in his likeness. However, what we get to discover is the Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us how to walk in his way. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to walk in his way. Because simply being made in his image doesn't really teach us or show us how to walk like Jesus walked. Amen? So since we're talking about walking, I got a question. This is kind of like be like a pre and a post test for us in here. Is there anybody who's ever modeled? Any models in the house? Any models? Jesse, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. Brother Jesse is model for us. I turned down my modeling contract because I, I, I wanted to be a pastor at Garden City Church. I felt like this was more important than walking the catwalk. Amen? So I'm going to come back later. I'm going to ask you that question again. I'm going to see your responses. All right? Let's turn into your Bibles, and we're going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 8. And just to give some background, Mark is talking to Roman Christians here. He's speaking to them about Jesus, and he's talking about the life of Jesus, the many miracles that Jesus has done in the book of Mark, all the great things, all the fascinating things. And then we hit a point to where now there's a crossroads. So when we look at Mark... Chapter 8, we're going to look at the 31st verse. And this is where Jesus goes on to talk about his death and his resurrection to his disciples. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed after three days and rise again. Similar to the conversation that I had with my players back in August. Hey, in order for us to win, we must be willing to lose. Jesus is going to his team, to his players and saying, hey, I'm going to tell you that the son of man is going to suffer many things. And this is coming on the cusp of Jesus being curious and asking them, well, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? And Peter, who was kind of like the spokesman of the disciples, says, hey, you are the Christ. You are you are him. You are the son of God. So Jesus gathers them around and begins to tell them that, hey, I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, I'll rise again. And verse 32 says he says this plainly. And Peter 
again, good old Peter, the spokesman, takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Now, I don't think I don't think Peter's rebuking Jesus just to be defiant or be disrespectful. I believe that Peter's doing this because of the compassion and the love that he has for Jesus. That he's like, hey, man, you know, man, I, I kind of like, like, man, please don't say that. See, when I read this before, I'm like, man, that's kind of messed up, Peter. Why are you going to, you know, how are you going to rebuke Jesus? But when you think about it a little bit more deeply in the time that they had spent together, he loves Jesus. He doesn't want to see anything happen to Jesus. Just like I believe our players don't want to see us lose. They don't want to see their head coach experience loss, man, because they love their head coach. At least I hope that they do. But it's something else for us to think about when we start to share some things that are intimate as we talk about testimony and we talk about men and being vulnerable. See, sometimes the fear in being vulnerable and sharing things is like sometimes people will try to come to you and try to tell you, well, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. No, no, it'll be okay. And sometimes what happens is we take people out of the process of receiving the blessing of suffering. See, some of what was going on here was, yes, Peter didn't want to see this in Jesus, but then a lot of times, I think even on myself and as, I, as we think about Jesus, we know Jesus as the risen king, as the victorious one. He went down to hell, he defeated Satan, and now he said, and we know him in his gloriousness, but do we actually want to know him in his suffering? Do we want to know him in his suffering? Do we want to know that he suffered, died, was crucified, dead and buried on our behalf? Just for me or just for you. And here's the beautiful thing for us. There's no guilt or shame in that. But it is a process that we need to know and to understand Christ in his suffering. So Jesus, even within himself, maybe may have been feeling a certain way as he communicated this. But in verse 33, it says, but he turned and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man, or let me say on the things of this world. Now, this wasn't the first time that Jesus had been, if you will, rebuked or tempted not to go the way of suffering of the cross. This was simply another time. We know that that first time he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Where he tried to give Jesus a way of escape to say, hey, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to go down the way of the cross. I can simply, if you just bow yourself down to me right now, I'll give you all of this and this will be yours. And yet again, Jesus is yet met with the same type of response 
but from two different people that meant it two different ways. At this point, Jesus is pretty sold out on who he is and what it is that he needs to do, even though we read that in the Garden of Gethsemane he has a moment. And I love the moment because it shows the humanness of Jesus. If it be your will, take this, but not mine, but yours be done, Father. To experience the cup of wrath from his father was more than what he wanted to deal with, but he dealt with it anyway. For us. Jesus goes on to say in verse 34 that if anyone seeks to follow me, he must first deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. And it's interesting that he's giving the symbolism of a cross because he is speaking to Roman Christians and they know what the cross represents. They know that's where thieves and robbers go to be killed. And so he's saying, hey, understand something. If you are going to follow me, if you're going to live this life, if you're going to walk in this way, not just simply be concerned about and rejoice in the fact that you are my image bearers, but if you're really going to follow me, if you're really going to allow me to disciple you, I'm going to need you to pick up your cross daily in order to follow me, and you're going to have to deny yourself. It sounds very similar to what I'm asking my players to do. I want you to deny yourself. Deny yourself of the fame of what you want to do for the betterment of the whole. Deny yourself of wanting to get upset and frustrated, of wanting to quit when things get hard. I want you to deny yourself of being so emotional that your emotion causes you to react instead of responding in the right way. I want you to deny yourself from just stopping and quitting. These are the same things that he's asking of us. So Jesus is saying this, I want, you, I want you to take your life, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, who you really are, and sacrifice them for my sake. Take all this stuff, your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul, everything that you think that you are, and sacrifice them for me. Set it aside for me. Set it aside for the greater good of what? Of the kingdom. We know that we want his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. In order for that to happen, I have to set me aside. In order for that to happen, Garden City, we have to set ourselves aside. I have to set aside what I like, what makes me comfortable. I have to set that aside for the greater good of the whole, for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Because, see, we have an adversary that roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And if you haven't had your eyes open, he is devouring some things. The question for us 
people of God is, are we ready? Are we bought in to land ourselves aside for the greater good? Do I want to know Jesus in his suffering? Do I want to know him in that suffering and not run from it, but man, get full in and experience the the, the height, the depth, the breadth of that suffering? I told you all that I grew this season as a coach and it was the best year. You know why? Because what I discovered is what was still left out in me had nothing to do with our players. Our players are phenomenal. They're great young men. They're accountable. They bought in. The accountability they had this year, I've never seen it in our program. But I'm going to tell you, as the losses stack up, what begins to happen is you begin to question yourself. We begin to question calling. We begin to question, man, can I do this? Am I made for this? Self-doubt settles in. All those different things happen. And guess what? I'm vulnerable to let you know that, man, self-doubt hit me hard. We had our first game in our league. And Pastor Coach made a really, really big deal about it. See, that's the danger when you make a big deal about something, about winning. When you lose, you have nothing else to fall on to. When you make it an expectation or a goal, you don't have anything else when it doesn't happen. I felt like if we could get this win, it would turn our whole season around, if we could get it. It was our first game in the city. We're back kind of in the city limits. It's on a Saturday. Everything was great. Man, Coach Stephanie did a great job of getting us our breakfast that morning. Everything felt really good. We go into the game, and man, we're down early. We end up fighting back, coming back. We go into triple overtime, and we lose. I was devastated. Devastated. Spent that weekend in the bed. I'll tell you right now because, man, God is so good. And God's an overcomer. I was depressed. I was hurt. I put everything into that single game. Because I wanted it so bad for our young men. Because I watch how hard they work. I know what they go through outside of playing football for us. I wanted it so bad for them. And it just didn't happen. Here's the beauty about what he does. I'm made in his image and his likeness. His Holy Spirit teaches me how to walk in his way. I simply asked him why. I said, God, what? what's going on? Like, I know how well my coaches worked. I know we were prepared. What? Why? And he began to minister unto me. 
So you can't discover anything from God unless you're curious about it. And the only way you're going to be curious about it is you have to ask the question. Now, asking these questions can be dangerous because he could have just came back and said, son, you just ain't a good coach. That's not a joke. That was a good laugh. No, I'm sure. Right? But what he showed me was, see, there's still some things in you, son, that you have to get out because he said it was one thing for you to give that word in August. But you forgot the word that I gave you in the spring when I talked about being resilient. He said, it's good for you to tell these young men they know how to define it. But he said, son, is it actually in you to be that? Difficult things are going to happen. Things are going to hurt. It's going it's it to hurt. It's going to be, man, you've lost so much, son, that God has given me another word for. We don't say we're either winning or we're losing. We say that we're either winning or we're learning, and we learned a lot. But he's gotten me comfortable in the suffering that comes with losing. Because he points me to the Apostle Paul. Who in Philippians said, man, I count all that as loss for the gain of Christ Jesus. I give it all up again and again and again to have this relationship with Christ Jesus. I'll lose again and again and again if I get to see my young men here at church and they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Give me all the losses, God, that I need in order for every young man that I've ever coached that's ever been under the sound of my breath to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because at the end of the day, if I need to suffer for that to happen, Sign me up. Sign me up. Every day and twice on Sundays. Sign me up for that. See, there were some more things that he had to dig up out of me. They had to show me about me. And it was a great discovery. And our seasons of discovery are not just one, they're not just two, but they're daily. See, this is why the word of God says we have to mortify the deeds of our flesh daily. Daily there's new bread. Daily there's new life. Daily there's new wine. Daily he is doing a new thing. He's just not doing a new thing, man. When we say he's, we've been saying here at Garden City, God is doing a new thing now for four years. And some of us sit in these seasons like, well, I'm waiting on a new thing. And I'm like, man, look up and see the new thing that is happening. Lives are being changed. Hearts are being transformed. The spirit of God is moving. It might not move the way that you think it should move or the way you expect it to move. But here's my question to us. Are we expecting the spirit of God to move every time I come into this place? Or is this just another service? Or is it just another message? And it's just another song. Or for my team, it's just another game and it's just another season. This was my best season. This was my best season. Man, I love these young men. 
because of what they have pulled out of me. This is the best time to be a child of God because of all the adversity that is happening. This is the best time. This is not the time for us to go run and shut ourselves into our houses or within our groups or within our cliques. This is our time for us to go run towards the fire in wisdom. And when we say run towards the fire, that doesn't mean I'm literally running, but that means I'm running in prayer. Because I want to have good discernment. I want to have good discernment. I want to go exactly where he's calling me to go to. Amen. It's going to cause for us here at Garden City to come together more as a body. More as a body of believers. More than we ever had to. To be like those churches, man. We got to just come together, man. We got to have all things in common, even though we ain't common. This is why we are a multi-church, not just from the standpoint of race. If we're looking at that, then we're limiting what God is doing. If we're only looking at it from a race perspective, we're limiting what God is doing. We are multi-man because, man, we came from all different types of places. From the time you was born to get just to this place at this time. Look at what God can do. He is maturing us in the spirit and that he's as he matures us in the spirit, he's going to give us more. He's going to reveal us more. And I'm going to go ahead and caution you. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going to be a little fearful. Because, man, it's going to be a little bit uneasy. He's going to start revealing some things to some of us because, see, that's been the desire of your heart. You've wanted God to show you more. You've asked God for more, and you're saying, okay, God, where is the more? Well, I'm telling you, it's coming, and he's going to show it to you. Just be ready. Because it's going to be fat, and it's going to be overflowing. And I'm not saying it's going to be great, but it is going to be a blessing. It may not be the way you think it should be, but it will bless you. Because truth is truth, and it will set us free, but we have to receive that truth. And in order for us to start to get ready as a church to really understand suffering and to really understand and get ourselves conditioned for it. See, we have to condition ourselves for some of these things. Just like an athlete, they have to condition themselves. Football players, basketball players, baseball players, tennis, every sport, you got to condition yourself. If you're a reader, you got to condition yourself to do it. If you're going to say, hey, man, I got to go read. I just heard from my brother yesterday, and he's got to buy this book. He's in law school, and the book costs $1,200. I'm like, man, does the book read to you? (laughs) But see, he's conditioning himself because he's always been an ambitious person. And ambition is good. We serve a God of possibilities. All things are possible for those who believe possibilities. We have to condition ourselves. I don't know how it was when you grew up, but I can tell you a little bit about me, my growing up spiritually. Spiritually, we had all night prayer. I know some of this is going to scare some of y'all. I'm not saying we're going to do it here at Garden City. But we had all night prayer. And we prayed all night. We tarried at the altar all night. There was fasting involved. 
Fasting sometimes is a lost art, sometimes just like the Holy Spirit is. Can I talk to you? The Holy Spirit is a tool that the good Lord has given us to lead us into all paths of truth. We have to acknowledge him in all that we do. Some of the things that we're dealing with and going through in our lives, whether it be personally or corporately, the word of God says we'll only get through these things through prayer and fasting. And when we talk about fasting, I'm just not talking about pushing your plate back. But it may be putting your phone down. It may be getting off social media for, for a day, for a week, for some hours. It may be, man, I'm not watching TV for a day or for certain hours of the day. Whatever that thing may be that has somewhat become an idol, possibly in your life, that's keeping you from him, I would encourage you and I would encourage us that may be cause for a fast. That may be cause for a fast. Because, see, we have to begin to lose and we got to begin to lay ourselves or to set ourselves aside. Because, see, God already has. See, God said, I have set you aside for my use. Now what we must do is we have to set our own selves aside. We have to set our emotions, our likes, our comfortableness aside for the greatness of Christ and for the gospel. And it might mean, man, I got to fast. Might mean I have to fast to noon. Might be a whole day. Might be 72 hours. Whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to you. But if we go into it looking at it as an angst, we won't do it. This is why it was, this is why Jesus was so stern when he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because here's what I don't know. I don't know that if that time Jesus was feeling like, man, yeah, I appreciate that, Peter. I'm kind of feeling the same way, dog. I, I don't know if I want to be judged and mocked and ridiculed and persecuted. But what rose up in him was like, no, nah, man, I have to go and do this. And for some of us, we're going to have to do that even within some of our relationships and social circles. Oh, man, that's challenging, right? That's challenging. I know it's really challenging for my young men because their relationship and their social circles, uh, the Twitter and all the different stuff, man, that means so much to them. But sometimes I got to be able to set that aside. Why? Because, man, we want his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And guess what, Garden City? He needs us in order for that to happen. Am I conditioning myself to be ready to bring that here? That's the beauty of what we get to do. That denying of ourselves, that setting ourselves aside for the betterment of the gospel. And in that, this is what I love so much. Oh, man. Paul, Philippians 3 and 8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ. Come on up, man. And and be found in him. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or that comes from the world or that comes from a false identity from others. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We're faithing here. It is a word. I'm saying it right now today. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and I may share his and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We can talk about callings, but that is what we're called to. Now, what he calls you to go out and do with that vocationally, ministry wise. That's between you and him. But what he calls us into is into his sufferings that we may become more like him in his death. Why? Because we are dying every day. That worldly aspect, that worldly part of us, man, I'm mortifying that every day. For the cause of Christ. Amen. Let's pray, brothers and sisters. Man, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you right now for just, man, the life that we now live in you. And that this life, Father God, we live in abundance. We live in joy. We live encouraged. Because we know that, yes, we are your image bearers and that we're made in your likeness. But now we get to model and walk in your way. In your Holy Spirit, this is what you meant when you said that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will leave you with a helper. We thank you for the Holy Spirit helping us to follow your example. To strive in suffering that we may be victorious as you are. But in order to know that victory... We have to know that loss, the constant shedding of this flesh, of our ideas, of our emotions, of our will, of all the things that will hinder us and that will keep us from drawing ever, ever so closer to you. Father God, I pray for us here at Garden City. I pray for Brian and Megan, the children. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us that, Father God, you continue to knit us tightly together, first of all with you, Lord God, but also with each other. That there is no loneliness among us, Lord God, but there would be a connectivity between us. That we'll know how to hear and to listen and how to pray, but also how to stand in the gap and stand guard for and with each other. And Lord God, as we enter into praise and worship, I pray, Father God, that we will set ourselves aside and we'll let you have your way in this time and in our hearts in this moment. That, Father God, if I've never really lifted my hands or really sung, Lord God, I pray that you loose bonds right now in the name of Jesus. That bonds be loosed, that voices be lifted, that hands be raised, and that there be a surrender, Father God, into the experience that you have for us here today. We pray these things now in the awesome name of Jesus and all of his people said, amen.